You are listening to episode number 23 of the You Are Nourished podcast, and this is the third in our four-part series on the non-food causes of weight gain. And this week, I'm so excited to welcome my very first guest to the show. Emily Neiswanger is a functional dietitian from Anywhere Nutrition based in Minneapolis, and she runs a fabulous meal prep membership, so we have a lot in common, and she specializes in helping her clients to reduce inflammation and she has a special interest in inflammation. So I invited her onto the podcast to share her top nutrition and lifestyle strategies to help us reduce inflammation. We had a fantastic conversation about what causes inflammation in the body, why the body holds on to weight when it's chronically inflamed, and she shared some really practical tips that we can all implement with our diets and lifestyles to begin to reduce that inflammation in the body. Now, this episode is longer than our usual 20 to 30 minutes minutes, but I really could have chatted with Emily all day. It was such an incredible conversation. So grab yourself a hot drink or pop your headphones in and set off for a nice long walk and settle in for today's episode. Are you tired of dieting, fed up with constantly stressing out about food and sick to death of feeling like absolute rubbish because no matter how hard you try, you just can't seem to get control over your eating habits? Well, my love, you are in the right place. I'm Lauren Gafer. I'm a nutritional therapist and a mindset coach. I'm a mum of two and I happen to be partial to an oat milk latte and a Friday night gin and tonic. But I am mostly on a mission to make sure that you never go on another diet. On this podcast, my goal is to liberate you from restrictive and unsustainable diets by learning how to eat more intuitively, teaching you how to nourish yourself in body and mind, and helping you feel the best you've ever felt without ever counting another calorie again. Let's dive into today's episode. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. I am very excited today because we have our very first guest on the You Are Nourish podcast. I'm really excited to introduce you all to Emily from Anywhere Nutrition. I will let her um, tell you all a little bit about herself. But Emily and I have known each other for a couple of years in the online space. Emily is based over in Minneapolis, so quite away from from me here in Hertfordshire. We've been working together for a couple of years and um, she's great. And I brought Emily in today because as part of our four-part series on the podcast that we're currently running, um, Emily is an expert in inflammation. And if you have not listened to um, the first episode in the series around the three main kind of non-food underlying reasons for weight gain or difficulty losing weight, then you'll know that inflammation was one of those three. So I'm running, you know, three separate episodes on inflammation, adrenal health and thyroid. So I can't remember which order they are all coming out in, but this is our episode about inflammation. And we're going to learn a little bit more about what inflammation is in the body, how it happens, different types of inflammation, how it is actually preventing you from potentially losing weight and how dieting and calorie restriction and different types of exercise could actually be making the inflammation worse. And if you are struggling with inflammation in the body, 
no amount of dieting or exercise is going to help unless we deal with this root cause first. And this is the whole point of this series to help you understand that there are things going on in the body that you can't see that no amount of dieting, and we all know that dieting doesn't work anyway, but is actually potentially going to make it worse. And you could feel really, really stuck and you could be feeling, I'm doing all these things, I'm doing all the healthy eating, I'm doing all the exercise, but nothing is budging. And it can be incredibly frustrating and we understand that. So we're going to be talking about that and then giving you obviously, as always, some tips and strategies, actionable things that you can start doing right away with your nutrition and lifestyle to help to reduce inflammation in the body as your first port of call um, in helping you to change your behaviors um, around your health and well-being. So that is enough for me. I will let Emily introduce herself. Tell us a little bit, Emily, about your background and who you work with and how you help them. Yeah, I am so excited to be your first guest. Thank you so much for having me. I have been a dietitian going on a decade now, and I started my career actually in a cardiac, uh, um, a heart ICU intensive care unit. And uh, really that's what, that's what actually uh, um, started my education on the, in the area of inflammation, because I don't know if you, I'm sure you remember, but the focus on heart health for the last couple of decades has been a lot of low-fat diets, mm-hmm. uh, you know, very, um, you know, nothing, no talk about sugar, no mm-hmm. talk about inflammation. And I remember one of my first few years there starting to really dive into the research because the the low-fat thing just wasn't clicking for me. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, really discovering all of this, all of the science on inflammation and learning that inflammation was one of the is pretty much the driver of heart disease and wow. the reason why cholesterol actually gets a terrible terrible name but cholesterol actually is the it's the is the guy that's trying to fix the issue when it comes to heart disease mm-hmm. uh, cholesterol's job is to go where inflammation is and to try to patch up the basically the holes in the road if you want to describe it that way so we blame cholesterol we try to lower mm-hmm. cholesterol when inflammation in the arteries is truly the truly the issue there. So we're not getting to the root cause of the issue by restricting in the diet, um, Mm. you know, lowering fat, we need to target areas in the in the individual's life that are causing inflammation. And um, I remember having conversations with some patients of, you know, they're like, I eat really well. Um, And I also, you know, I move and I was always so puzzled. And then when I learned more about the role of stress and the role of sleep and the Mm. role of even the environment that you live in and the pollutants in your environment. Um, It all started to make a lot of sense. A lot of these patients were chronically stressed. They had worked jobs that didn't give them any rest. And so it really, that really started my uh, journey of learning more about inflammation as the driver of health issues and why Food absolutely plays a role. It's a huge part of it, um, but it's not the only part of it. So, yeah. Yeah, that's huge. And that's so fascinating, actually, just touching on what you just said about cholesterol, because I get asked this question all the time from, you know, people who join my challenges, people who are in my membership, they are so frightened of starting to eat full fat foods, eating full fat 
yogurt, avocados, nuts, because they've been told that fat, dietary fat is going to increase their cholesterol. And there's all these fear mongering articles out there about coconut oil and, you know, all these things. And it's a really hard job to undo decades of quote unquote research around dietary cholesterol and heart disease and try and make people see that we need these fats in our diet. In fact, I did a whole episode yes. around dietary fat and how important it is in our in you know in our diet and in our lives to reduce inflammation. And I'm sure we'll come on to this in our tips, but it's even just that, um yes. what you've just said in your first sort of couple of minutes will be yeah. a huge light bulb moment for a lot of people who are on, you know, statins and cholesterol medication, which reduces yes. all cholesterol in the body. Yes. <laughs> and it's yeah. a- Cholesterol is only one tiny piece of the puzzle of heart disease, which is so important to recognize and uh, why I'm such a fan of holistic health and looking at the body holistically. Um, I think one of the most telling things about the low fat diet era is the Journal of the American Medical Association is uh, is a very big deal. Mm-hmm. Research published by that journal has definitely been reviewed and it's a, it's about five years old now. Um, but they published the research actually that they found of Harvard doctors being paid off by the sugar industry to blame fat for heart disease. And they actually published that information, but we know it takes about 10 years for something that's published like that to hit the actual, the, you know, that the world of actually hear that information and for it to, you know, sink in. So yeah, it's insane. And I did talk about this actually in, in my kind of um, how to stop fearing full fat foods episode, which I will I will link to for those of you who are interested in in that, that the research conducted in the 1950s, 1960s, which was funded by the sugar industry and which started yes. as a catalyst for the whole low fat movement. And hey, has our health improved over the last 50, 60, 70 years? No, it has, no, not. It has not. No, it has not. Um, so there's lots of, of, of info and resources on, um, on that in that particular episode. But let's get on to inflammation because it's interesting how your your work and your career in you know cardiac uh, department led you to to become more interested in in inflammation so I wonder if you could just talk a bit about the different types of inflammation because I did mention in the previous episode that we have acute inflammation which the body yes. you know it, it happens when we are injured and that is a sort of life-saving mechanism in the body which needs to happen but it's quite short-lived versus chronic inflammation, which is what we're talking about here from a lifestyle perspective. Yes. So we're talking about acute, short-term, chronic, mm-hmm. more long-term, um, or sustained is kind of how mm-hmm. we think about it. Mm-hmm. So when I think of acute inflammation, of course, like you mentioned injury or, you know, imagine yourself walking through a doorway and you bump your elbow and you are, you, you are feeling it, you know, your elbow mm-hmm. is red, it is painful. Uh, that is short-term inflammation to that specific area of the body. The body, you know, sends all the, you know, the army there to fix the issue and uh, you forget you bumped your elbow, you know, a few hours later. Chronic inflammation, though, can be quite obvious in the form of something like, you know, joint pain that goes mm-hmm. on for a long time, like arthritis and rheumatoid arthritis, the autoimmune condition where the pain is persistent and you do feel it often. So that's a very visible or a very um, obvious form of inflammation, but we can also have inflammation internally that's not necessarily visible. And this is probably the hardest one for people to grasp because 
you don't really, you don't see inflammation happening after you, um, you know, eat a whole row of Oreos. Yeah, <laughs> we just don't, we don't see it happening. We some some people who are really in tune to how their body feels energetically or digestively might notice that they just don't feel very good. Um, and that's a red flag of inflammation. So I like to describe chronic inflammation as a, a visual, as a, as a bonfire. So you're having a, you're having a fire, um, in your backyard and it's enjoyable. You're, you know, all gathered around the fire and you're just enjoying a nice evening outside. Um, and a small bonfire is no big deal. Just like a small amount of inflammation in the body is not a big deal. We all have inflammation. It's completely normal. Our body keeps it in balance. But the problem comes when your neighbor comes over with a bucket of gasoline and pours gas on the fire. And now this bonfire that was enjoyable and under control is now raging. Your lawn is on fire. Your garage is at risk for starting on fire. Um, You know, fire is getting close to your house and it's no longer enjoyable. And this fire is out of control. So now you have to think about how are you going to put this fire out? You know, it's it's a, there's, there's something wrong, uh, obviously with what's, what's happening. And if someone keeps coming back and putting more gasoline on the fire, well, the fire is going to grow and it's going to cause more damage throughout, throughout your yard or AKA your body. Okay. So then we like, I like to think of this, keeping this bonfire in check by having kind of like a one hand of things that are more gasoline on the fire and the other hand, the things that are water and and what's going to help to, if you, if you add something to the bonfire, that's gasoline, how are you equaling it out or kind of keeping it in check with things throughout the day that are more water? And we can outline which, what fits in each of those buckets yes. by going through areas of nutrition and movement and sleep and uh, stress and environment. Those are kind of the buckets mm-hmm. I like to look at. Yeah. That's a great analogy. I love that. And I think, you know, for you know, for visual learners, you can, you can really understand that. And especially when we come on to talk about those, you know, the gasoline versus the, the water, I think it's a, it's a a fabulous analogy. So thank you for that. So what kinds of things, what kinds of things are the gasoline? What sorts of things are going to increase inflammation in the body? Yes. So let's start with nutrition. Of course, that's Mm -hmm. our expertise. So we can talk about nutrition and then we're also going to touch on the other areas of health, because again, nutrition is important but it's not the only piece of the puzzle. And it's very important to know that it does not need to be perfect. Okay. There is a fire. It's okay to have uh, small amounts of gasoline. That's not going to cause your uh, garage to start on fire, mm-hmm. but it's when all that we're consuming yeah. is basically gasoline that, you know, we're really not going to feel good. And um, it's not going to fuel a future healthy self that we, mm. that we want. So um, so let's start with the things that are gasoline on the fire as far as uh, could cause issues if consumed in overabundance. Okay. So we already talked about, we touched on sugar. So mm-hmm. of course, differentiating the difference between added sugar and natural sugar. So fruit is not the problem here. Yeah. Um, no one needs, you know, eight bananas or 12 oranges in a day by any means, but um, fruit is not what we're targeting. It's not an issue. Um, but we're looking at this added sugar category. So it's, it's the, even the, the yogurt cup that we buy that is, uh, you know, has 
three to four teaspoons of sugar added to eight ounces of it. We just don't realize that it's in there because we're not um, tuned to flipping over the label, reading the label and seeing what's in there. And every four grams of sugar is equal to a teaspoon. And the average cup of yogurt has about four or excuse me, 12 to 16 grams of sugar in it, some of which is natural. So average cup of yogurt is about eight grams of natural sugar. So you can kind of take that out. But so just kind of looking and seeing where where sugar is added, but again, not fixating on only sugar because there is room There is room to enjoy sweets if you're a sweets person. We baked a pan of cupcakes here a couple weeks ago. We ate at least one. Some days we ate two of them a day um, just because they were there and there's only two of us. Um, But we enjoyed them and then we just moved on. And we, again, ate our normal meals for the, you know, we ate, we cooked our, you know, omelet for breakfast. We had our wraps for lunch. We had our stir fry for dinner. And in there, maybe we had a couple cupcakes, which again, uh, I'm not a sweets person really. So it wasn't our norm, but I did not fixate on um, having a couple cupcakes because we just, we don't do that um, yeah. that often. So sugar is one to be cons- uh, to be aware of. Yeah. The next one I would say is oils. So mm-hmm. oils that you're cooking with is what I would focus on the most, unless your diet is mostly made up with convenience food. So if you buy most of your food that is packaged or prepared, then I would pay a little bit more attention. But if you're cooking most of your meals, then I would really just pay attention to the oils that you use at home and trying to stay away from the vegetable oils mostly. So canola, uh, most people don't know. Which is called rapeseed over here. Yes. Mm -hmm. Canola actually stands for uh, the Canadian Oil Association. It's an acronym. So most people don't know know that actually. Yeah. (laughs) We know it, but I'm pretty sure we call it rapeseed oil over here. It is seed oil. It's a a vegetable oil. And it's one that I also frequently tell people to stop cooking with. Yes. And so the issue if you, if if people look into this and they're like, well, the, the nutritionals look good. The Mm. issue with these vegetable seed oils is they're not meant to be processed the way that they are and extracted the way they are from their plant. And that's where the damage happens. And that's not measurable on a nutrition facts label. So that's the issue with the vegetable oils. Um, And I'll talk about the water ones, the ones that we are looking for um, on the other side. So I would say the sugar, the, um, the seed oil. So trying to, to switch up the ones that you have at home. Again, that's the, that's where you can make the biggest impact. You can't change up what uh, the restaurants you eat at yep. use for oils and it just won't happen. And there's no point to it. Which oils would you say people should cook with if they, yeah. So on the opposite, yeah. on the opposite okay. spectrum, I would say I am a huge fan of coconut oil. Mm-hmm. It's a good hot, medium high heat ghee, G H E E or clarified mm-hmm. butter is another lovely one. Um, good for those with lactose intolerance. Avocado oil is another good one. Mm-hmm. And then um, olive oil isn't great for, you know, much over low heat cooking. It starts to pop off of the pan and that's causing to become rancid. So we don't want to burn it. So that's great for like low heat, no heat recipes. Those are my core oils I would have on hand. Yeah, I agree. Uh, the thing is there's like you could open, you could open up the internet and and someone will tell you to cook with olive oil and someone will tell you not to cook with olive oil. And it, it yes. seems to change all the time. I actually read 
you know, an article recently that said that olive oil, especially extra virgin olive oil, which I've always said, don't cook with your extra virgin olive oil, save that to drizzle on your salads. But actually it was reasonably stable, not at a super high heat, but you could still cook with it. So even now, you know, things that I may have said in the past, don't do this. There's new research coming out that's saying, actually, it's okay. So it, it can get awfully confusing. And I would say definitely cooking oils and fats is one of the ones that people yes. really do ask me a lot about and get quite confused. And especially when you're standing in the, in the supermarket and you've got a wall of oils and yes. some of them are cold extracted Italian mountain, whatever, yeah. <laughs> really expensive. And obviously that's going to be fantastic. And some of them are really cheap and in a you know clear plastic bottle. And I always try and say at the very least buy it in a glass bottle and stick yep. to the oils that you've just talked about but yeah it's definitely a a very confusing minefield for a lot of people especially when some of these also the canola slash rapeseed oil over here quite often comes in you know a dark glass bottle and it says it's extra virgin and non-refined and high smoke points and it says all of these things about it so it looks healthy you know on the packaging but actually yes. once you start to cook with it especially at a high heat and yes. like, like you said, the extraction process um, is is the problem. It's very difficult for people, I think, you know, to, to wrap their heads around, yeah. around it. And the reason why I say focus on the oils you use at home the most is because one of the biggest issues that causes the inflammation in the oils in the body is the ratio of omega-6 oils to yeah. omega-3 oils in the yeah. body. And at least here in the States we overconsume the omega-6 oils like way they're way more than the omega-3 so they're significantly out of balance and the yes. body does not like it's that the same in the uk so, for sure yeah so it's like when you can focus on okay if i i know i need more omega-3s because i know the average american is lacking in them how can i make sure that i get them in well i know that whatever restaurant I go to probably isn't cooking my meal or using olive oil because it's more expensive. Mm-hmm. So I can, I can take on that burden and do it at home and make sure I get in my omega threes. That's probably the biggest issue. And you can test for that. We could, I can send you some information about the testing so mm. people can actually find out. It's yeah. a very inexpensive $50 blood test. Um, but it's good information just to know like where you're at as far as the oils go. The other thing I would say is inflammatory is um, any overcooked or charred meats. It's grilling season here in the States. And I know um, people really need to pay attention to making sure that they don't overcook what they're grilling. Mm. Um, It is very, it's just, they've equivalated, it it made it equivalent to basically smoking cigarettes by consuming the char that is on the meat. Um, so we call it barbecuing over here, which I'm sure you oh, do there you as go. well. But yes, barbecues uh, is barbecue season over here as well. And yes. yeah, it is super common to serve up blackened sausages and really quite charred, you know, over fire, you know, yes. um, over smoke. A lot of people have gas barbecues over here um, as well as um, coal barbecues. But yes. That, yes. That so when it comes, meats. when it comes to meat, we want to think it's there's, you can grill, of course. Um, uh, but think a low and slow is the best for cooking meat at any time of the year. So mm. if you can cook things, slow cooking meats, or if you're even, I, I'm a huge fan of bacon. I think that there's good quality bacon that can fit into a healthy, balanced mm-hmm. diet. 
um, need to, it's important to cook it low and at slow temperatures. Same thing with like eggs, very important so that you don't ruin all the nutrients um, and the proteins that are in them or, you know, risk burning them is really mm. important. That's so. very interesting. We do love crispy bacon over here. <laughs> <laughs> and you can, you can still get it crispy, but by doing it as you know, slower and slower, not as, not as quickly as possible is what we're trying yes. to avoid. Yes. Yep. And I think a lot um, of people who are in a hurry like to crisp up their bacon on a very high heat and yes. stick it between two pieces of bread. Yes. <laughs> we love a bacon sandwich over here. Um, that's very, very interesting and a great yes. tip for people. Hopefully they'll take away and start to cook their meats more slowly or just think about, yeah. So what would you say to someone, you know, obviously it being grilling or barbecue season and we are sticking all the sausages and chicken drumsticks and steaks and everything. And we like to get those nice sort of, you know, grill marks on I our know. food. Would you say cook, don't cook meats on the barbecue, like cook vegetables instead and do the meat separately? Like, what would you, I know it's not necessarily going to stop people from doing it, but how would you? Yeah. I think one pay pay just really close attention to the temperatures that you're using. Is it Mm -hmm. necessary to be cooking them that high? Mm -hmm. And then uh, maybe just moving them a little bit further away from the flame. Some Mm -hmm. people also cook on, cook on cast iron um, over the Mm -hmm. flame or uh, Mm -hmm. some sort of a grill, um, this type of, of like a flat surface that isn't necessarily allowing the meat to be exposed to the flame and to burn so easily because we know yes. we know which piece tends to burn the most when that's stuck in the middle of the grill yes. that's underneath the flame and all the juices are coming out of it uh-huh. and then igniting the flame up a little bit more so that's if great you can try to actually yeah stick your griddle pan yeah. on the barbecue rather than so then there's something at least between your the flames and the meat itself so yes. not, not putting the meat directly over the flames great yes tip like using the grate our grill has two levels of grate. So we might, you know, use the bottom one to sear it. So it has that look and then quickly move it up to the next level so that it cooks, um, not directly over the flame. So right. it's just more in basically like an oven environment to cook it. Yeah. All right. That's enough barbecuing tips. I think. Yeah. That was great though. <laughs> but I think you know, people want to know this. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. Okay. Carry on. Uh, the last thing I would say about what can be inflammatory is um, is the refined flour-based mm-hmm. products. So mm-hmm. too many things basically that are, have, you know, think of things like uh, refined crackers or cakes, um, things that are using a refined flour then also likely mixed with sugar and then also likely mixed with a refined oil to create a product. Yes. Again, it's small amounts of that really not a big deal. Um, but it's the, it's the overabundance, the constantly having, um, here really popular are, they're called Ritz crackers. It's a round Mm -hmm. salted cracker. We have Ritz Um, crackers. They're very 1970s. I'm not sure if anyone states them. (laughs) They're so classic. Or a a saltine cracker is another really popular one. Soda crackers. Mm. It's a very refined product. All the nutrition in that grain, original grain, has been stripped away. So you'll see on the label that it says it's enriched with B vitamins because they've been stripped away in the processing. Body doesn't like that. That causes blood sugar issues Mm. if consumed again in abundance. So 
Again, it's the small amounts. It's not, oh my gosh, I can't have Ritz crackers anymore. I can't grill food anymore. I can't have you know cupcakes anymore. That is not the point no, of this because no. that creates a miserable life. And what is Absolutely. the point of charging inflammation if you are miserable? But it's thinking oh about things in balance. It's very important to think about the things in balance. Again, am I always put that visual in your mind of, did I just totally just throw gasoline on the fire today? Or did I kind of even things out there between like a little bit of things that would be considered gasoline and the things that are also considered water. And yes. then you know, always checking in with yourself and how, how does digestion feel? How does your energy feel? How does your thought process feel? Are you, how, do you feel really scattered? Do you feel like you can't remember things really well? Uh, those are, those are really strong signs of an inflammatory diet mm. of well, walking into a room thing and wondering what in the world did I come in here for? I mean, uh, that, that happens brain... to me all the time. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I think it might be a yes. nice thing. <laughs> <laughs> that one's just so frustrating. So, so that's what I'd say about the nutrition piece. I would say on the, uh, it's pretty obvious what's on the water side, but your, you know, your produce, fresh, frozen, canned produce, of course, your, your so fruits and vegetables, high quality, you know, meats, you know, grass fed is the standard that we have here, but I know anything that, you know, is again, cooked low and slow, um, eggs are anti-inflammatory again, if long as you don't burn them on the stovetop yeah. when you're cooking yeah. them, poached eggs oils. definitely going to be better, aren't they? Than a fried yeah. egg. Mm. Yes, the whole grains. Yes. So, um, and that for someone who's gluten free, that could be anything from um, from buckwheat to whole grain corn to oats. All of those are mm. great sources of whole grains. Many people yeah. think whole grain and automatically think the only option is wheat. wheat. There's yeah. a lot. There's lots of other yes. options out there if you're sensitive to wheat. So, I think that's. I think that's all of it. The only other thing I probably would add under nutrition um, that can be a talk or a, an issue would be alcohol mm-hmm. or, in, you know, sugar we touched on with sugary beverages, mm-hmm. you know, just kind of being mindful of what you add to your coffee and what you're drinking. But alcohol is a, uh, it's a tough one. Cause I know it's something that people use to, you know, quote unquote, relax. Um, they feel like they earned it, but alcohol is truly a toxin in the body. It's not tolerated really at any level. Uh, if you have a history of breast cancer, the research is really strong to stay away from that, especially the whole yeah. uh, one glass of wine a night type of thing. Yeah. Um, research has really shown that that doesn't really benefit anyone in the long run. Yeah. Um, but we, doesn't mean that like I over here have to say, yeah. I, don't, I think it's probably the same. <laughs> we yeah. Like- it, well, drinking is a big part of the society mm. here for yep. sure. Yeah. But I would say like, I, I, again, we just celebrated our anniversary and I enjoyed a mojito, but I don't make mojitos for myself at home. Um, and we, we, yeah. So it's really, again, it's a balance is very important, but yes. I would encourage people who do feel inflamed or wonder if their condition is impacted by inflammation mm. to consider, consider, you know, really examining how much alcohol that they're consuming because yeah. the body doesn't want it. And so it's got to work to get rid of it every time yeah. that you consume it. And when you give your body a toxin, which it is, the, the liver has to detox alcohol. Um, it takes energy away from doing something else in the body. So yes. I think that's an important thing to think yeah. about again. Absolutely. And imba- balance is important. 
Mm. So I just want to touch a little bit on uh, sort of um, sugar and refined flour and, you know, cakes and biscuits and donuts and all of that kind of stuff. So, you know, Mm -hmm. people who've been following me a while will know that, you know, I used to run sugar free challenges and sugar was very much my thing. Um, Yes. And have shifted now towards helping people stop dieting and understand that their problem with sugar is likely as a result of dieting and restriction. Yes. um, what I wanted to add here is that for many people who are, you know, holding on to weight as a result of inflammation and thinking I need to lose weight first, I need to go on a diet to lose this weight. And I've, I've mentioned in these episodes that that is the wrong way to go about it, that actually the dieting. So a lot of diet foods are incredibly high in sugar, low fat foods tend to actually be quite high in sugar. So you might be getting right. fat, a fat-free yogurt, but it's yes. loaded with sugar and that's increasing your inflammation. Um, a lot of um, meal replacement shakes and Weight Watchers ready meals and low calorie snack bars and things that you think are healthy because they're low calorie are actually loaded with vegetable oils, loaded with sugar and making your inflammation worse and not only that but the fact that you are under nourishing yourself and then that is leading to emotional eating overeating and that's always going to be cakes and donuts and maybe alcohol crisps yes. chips um yes. and you're getting an abundance of these refined flours and sugar which is giving you a real storm and that, you know, that feeling that you can get after a, you know, a binge or, you know, an episode of emotional eating where you just not only you're beating yourself up about it emotionally, and we know that's not good for inflammation anyway, but you've got this abundance of, of these foods coursing their way through your system, creating yet more inflammation. And you're wondering why you can't lose weight. Yeah, You've got all this going on. So this is where I always like to bring it all back to how dieting is so harmful in so many ways. Yes. Yeah. And also how um, I've worked with, um, after I left the ICU um, position to work with people in more preventative medicine in the outpatient world, um, I, I've you know worked with a lot of people who want to lose weight and, mm-hmm. and are on very restrictive mm-hmm. diets that they've put themselves on. And I always have to explain to them that if there is something else, again, causing inflammation in the body, whether mm-hmm. it's you don't sleep at night, um, the the stress is really high from a, from a job or you know, anything else. Um, or their environment itself is very toxic. They're not going to lose weight no matter how much they restrict. And so it's because if the body is again in a constant state of trying to heal from this raging bonfire, this inflammation that's being caused by something else, mm. the body doesn't want to let go of, <clears throat> of calories. Um, calories are like, they're the building block of new healthy tissue in the body. And that's what the body needs to be in a constant state of repair. So the last thing the body wants when it believes it's in danger is to shed resources. So these people, um, you know, we, we, the first step is to get off of, get off of the diet. We need to focus on nourishment. The body needs that nutrition. And so the last thing the body needs when it feels like it's in danger is to also run out of food. So think, (laughs) think about if you're, 
you're very stressed out in this fight or flight mode day in and day out from all the things that you have to do. And uh, so the body believes you're being kind of like chased by a bear. Yeah. And then you also run out of food. Um, yeah. It's a terrible state for the body to it be really in. And, and there is no way that the body is going to be like, you know, we should just get rid of this extra weight where we yeah. are. The body is saying, no, who knows how long we're going to be without food. So yes. definitely getting off the diet is that is so important and just yeah. shifting your focus to the nourishment piece. You don't need to go from eating real sugar to going to diet sugars. Yeah. You need to think like exactly what you said, like, why are you craving sugar in the first place? And for, for most of my patients, especially women, what I have found it's they're not consuming enough protein. Yeah. They're not eating enough meals during the day because women wear so many hats and we, they often, you know, grab a granola bar for breakfast, maybe snack their way through lunch. And then by dinner, they are starving and then starts the sugar, sugar binge in the, in the evening or the popcorn binge or whatever it is. Um, Such a common pattern. Yeah. So if we really focused on the getting in a solid breakfast again, you know, whatever it could be for me, I love teaching people how to batch smoothies ahead of time. So you grab it in the morning and you go, or you grab a slice yeah. of uh, egg bake and you go. Um, and then, you know, same kind of same idea for lunch so that you're nourished all throughout your day. Yes. And then the body says, here are all my tools to fight off this inflammation that we have. And then that's when I see people, if their body wants to, that's when I see them start to lose a little bit of weight mm. again, but this is really in the long term. This is sustainably. And, you know, this is not a 30 day thing. This no. is, this is worth six months to a year to two years yes. worth of, yes. worth of a, a journey. So it's really nice to have someone else back up what I have been going on about for so long. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> It's really it's great to have a conversation with someone else who is on hundred percent on the same page. And I think for those of you who've been listening to me, bang on about this stuff for a really long time it's not just yes. me <laughs> there are other qualified individuals across the world who believe this too and who see it it is a long-term yeah. process and a long-term journey and all of this 28-day detox and 30-day shred and all of this nonsense yes. that yes. is your soul to is never ever going to give you the results that you want all right let's um circle back to some of your other tips around reducing inflammation around lifestyle Yes. So uh, the next category I would touch on with people would be their movement. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like to just describe it as movement instead of like exercise. Yes. Cause then you people automatically think like I've got to belong to a gym and yeah. I've got to have a gym membership of some sort. So movement, just thinking about in general, like how much are you moving in a day? You know, are you stuck at a desk all day long? Um, you know, what, what is your typical day like for movement? And um, is this is more than just going up and down the stairs to do laundry, you know, that, that is some movement that mm-hmm. does count, but if you automatically go from that to sitting back down, it's, that's not much in a day. Yeah. And if we think again, to, if we were to ask our great grandmothers, what gym they belong to, they would not understand what you're talking about <laughs> because they didn't belong to a gym. No. They move their bodies all day long. And, uh, that's what we have lost. Yeah. And that sedentary activity that's sitting all day long is so toxic to the body. And that is causing inflammation big time. So not only are we sitting, we are sitting 
and we're probably stressed out. At a, you know, we're at sitting some sort of when we're stressed out because our jobs are stressful and we're receiving yeah. emails that are annoying us all day, bringing us into <laughs> fight or flight. And we've got a 12 pack of Krispy Kremes on the desk as well. Yes. So yes, I mean, a triple whammy right there. Exactly. Yeah. We didn't wow. eat breakfast. We're yes. hungry and we're living we're off of Or we're beating ourselves up because someone came into the office with a birthday cake and we're yes. trying to resist it. So yes. stress is coming from all angles, but yes, yeah, it is. Oh my goodness. Yes. So we really, I mean, again, looking at this, it has to, we think about it again in the long term, this six Mm -hmm. months to a year to two years, it's like, okay, what's the most important thing for me to tackle at first? Yes. And what little pieces can I do? And this could just be the, the 10 minute break that you take to, uh, to step outside. Maybe you don't even start by going on a walk right away, um, on your lunch break, but you just step outside and breathe fresh air Mm -hmm. and then you come back in and then maybe it turns into, a walk a block away down, you know, down the block, five minutes and back five minutes. So it's these little things that over time can add up because I think we also think that, okay, I'm supposed to be getting in 30 minutes of exercise. I don't have time for 30 minutes or I can't afford a gym membership right now. And it's like, don't jump all the way to like the ultimate goal. Think about breaking it down into the tiniest little pieces and, and build from there. So also, I would say there's a spectrum for movement. So also overdoing exercise is also inflammatory because we yes. create what are called free radicals when we exercise at high intensity or long duration, and the body needs to clean that up. So the free radicals are, I like to describe them kind of like a, like a, like a ping pong ball that's bon- bouncing all around on the inside of the body. And the more of them that there are, um, the more damage that's being caused because it's bouncing off of organs, basically is a good mm-hmm. way to visualize mm-hmm. it. And so mm-hmm. we don't want to overdo exercise and cause an overabundance of free radicals because that can cause inflammation. Um, that's why people who do like, you know, an Ironman man can have a heart attack. Um, yeah. You think that they're the healthiest people in the world, but that's a lot of inflammation lot. to take. Yeah. So it needs to be balanced out with anti-inflammatory things. So don't also overdo exercise, yeah. which is very common in the dieting community as well. I need to burn as many calories yes. as fast as possible, as yeah. often as possible. The body also does not like that. No, I talk about this a lot as well, especially because most of my audience are women over 40 and who may have been doing hit classes or running or, you know, yes. quite intensive stuff in their twenties and thirties. And then suddenly your needs change and those sorts of you know, activities are not only inflammatory, but a stress on the body, a very depleting of your cortisol. And I think it, I think I, I've just recorded the, the adrenal episode. So I think it might be the one before this, uh, where I talk about cortisol and how over-exercise can actually be a stress on the body. So stress yes. and inflammation are very interconnected. Very much so. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. That's, that's, and, and, f- and finding something that you enjoy, because there's no point you, running or doing hit classes or whatever it is if you really hate it because you just won't stick to it exactly the biggest tip I think we can give anybody around exercise is is enjoy it because you won't do it if you don't if you don't like it you'll just be like this is absolutely painful absolutely yeah yeah that will bring you joy as well which is anti-inflammatory too (laughs) yes yes so that's all that's all I would say about the movement yes um 
Sleep um, is another massive one. Yeah. Uh, just one poor night of sleep, which this is going to sound awful uh, because we've all had a bad night of sleep. But one night of bad sleep autumn, almost automatically makes you more insulin resistant the next day, yeah. meaning that you're going to have likely higher blood sugars throughout the day, which can lead to waking, uh, yep. especially in the long term. So if you are chronically getting poor quality sleep or not enough sleep or your circadian rhythm is really off. Like the whole staying up till 1am and then sleeping in until 11 or 12, um, that type of a pattern, you know, even again, if it's something you've done your whole life, that's not what the body wants to follow the pattern of the sun. And it's very important for hormone balance. Mm -hmm. So, so making sure that you are getting good quality sleep and enough sleep and uh, sticking as much as you can to the same routine seven days a week. Don't Mm. stay up later on the weekends than you do during in the weekdays. I I just listened to a really amazing functional um, conference this last weekend, the Institute for Functional Medicine and sleep was one of the topics. And it was just, it's just so important. They linked it. They're linking it to dementia, chronic pain, um, you know, a lot of brain dysfunction conditions that we've never really thought about linking it to in the past. So that's huge. I did. I think I said in, in the adrenal episode that sleep needs an an episode of of its own. It does. Because it's, um, it's a really difficult thing for a lot of people, especially chronically inflamed, chronically stressed people. Yes. Uh, hormonal menopausal women who are chronically right. stressed and chronically inflamed are getting a terrible night's sleep and it's just making yes. it all so much worse. So tips for, you know, improving sleep. One of the tips I gave actually was, was around electronics before bed. Just, you know, there's, there are a million things we can do to improve our, yes. our you know, our sleep hygiene, but electronics before bed and electronics in the bedroom was, was one thing that people can yes. do right yes. away. Absolutely. And my next target area of stress Mm -hmm. in itself is its own category is probably the thing that I see disturbed sleep the most for people. It's the, did I get everything done today? Um, Or the fears of what's happening tomorrow. Um, So when you focus on stress reduction, sleep is likely to improve. That's If you're someone who really takes a long time to fall asleep, or you wake up at uh, you know, three, four in the morning, stress mm-hmm. is probably the root cause of your poor yeah. sleep, not a lack of, you know, melatonin or some sort of, you know, pill. Um, yeah. But stress is a big one. Sounds like you covered it in your adrenal topics. I won't dive into this too much, but we know it impacts hormone regulation, mm-hmm. which again, will do the same thing. Insulin is a hormone. And, yeah. and when insulin goes up and cortisol goes up, uh, we gain weight. It's again, it's that fight or flight mode type of thing. If you're being chased by a bear, uh, the body wants to hold on to as much nutrition as possible yes. and not burn, burn off yeah. excess resources. So yeah. if you're chronically stressed, get, you're not, uh, letting go of those nutrients. No. No. Um, the only thing you're going to become start, be depleted in is the vitamins and minerals that you have stored because your body uses those up yeah. very quickly when you are in a stressed state. So um, and that's another one where you meant, like also you mentioned with movement, it's important to find something that you really enjoy. Um, I have a heart. I I've always had this goal of like reading more often, but I am just not very good with books. I'm more of a podcast person, but recently I, um, 
I, I joined a puzzle club. And so I'm getting a puzzle a month in the mail and I have it on my kitchen table and it has forced me to sit down and do something that's not screen time related. Yes. Right. Um, right. To, yeah. To not just go right to the TV and watch a show mm-hmm. to stress, de-stress or, yeah. um, so I, you have to find something that you love. I know coloring was a big one a couple of years mm-hmm. ago, something that really allows your mind to turn off. And it's very important to do it on a daily basis, like little pieces every day, instead of, I am so burned out. I need a vacation. I am so burned out. I need a spa day. I'm so burned yeah. out. I need, I know I need to get out of here yes. because now it is too late, you know, yes. but that's, that's rescue care, not self-care. Mm, so I love that. Yeah. I heard yeah. that was the Instagram therapist who said that I wish I could give her credit her name, but we want to avoid the rescue care. It's we're not, we're trying to, yeah, we're trying to avoid to get Don't to that. Get, get yourself to the point where yeah. it, it's, it's urgent and desperate. Mm-hmm. It's putting exactly. out the little fires daily rather than yes. letting the bonfire to burn your house down. Yes. Yeah. And this is a tough one because I, I know I've, I worked with a lot of moms. I'm not a mom myself, um, but I've worked with a lot of moms who of course have a lot on their plate. Yes, we do. Um, and this is a really tough conversation because we're, you know, we're getting lots of demands from our, our boss at work and then family life at home. And then we also have to fit in our own self-care. Mm-hmm. So it can be a tough, yeah. a tough examination of trying to think of, you know, setting boundaries where we can with if our boss adds one more thing to our plate that maybe was meant for a coworker that quit or something, uh, you know, pushing back a little bit and saying, okay, if you're going to give me this uh, extra thing, I need to be paid more for this. Uh, Not allowing yourself to get pushed over, you know, in your, in your job um, and really stand up for yourself for the, for what's being put on your plate. And also thinking about the amount of activities that maybe your children are in is also very important because I know there's this immense pressure to, you know, get your kids in all these activities so they can explore all of these things. But you can only be so many places at one time. Is it doing anyone any good to be constantly missing your, you know, family dinner time or to be, you know, be a chauffeur seven days a week? Oh my God. It's just, it's, it's like an epidemic of after school activities. And actually, you know, kids are allowed to come home and be bored. Yes, they are. Just do nothing. They don't yes. have to be shoved around from violin to football to whatever, gymnastics and tennis and swimming and all the things. This is a whole other conversation. But yes, I'm in agreement with that. And I think the pressure that we put on ourselves as mothers for our kids to be super talented in every area. And yes. you know, nine times out of 10, they give up a lot of these activities as soon as they hit their <laughs> teenage years. And they're like, why do yes. they all that time and money getting them to yes. learn the violin when they're never going to pick exactly it up again? True. It's tough. Oh. It's very tough. I've heard, I've had a lot of pushback from moms about it before, but I think it's something to, important to examine and also just yeah. what you sign yourself up for. But mm. um, thinking about your stress bucket, bucket, if it's overflowing And the last one, cause I, oh, I, this has been such a great conversation. Um, what I would say is environment and examining your environment for things that cause inflammation. So, so this could be allergens um, that can, you know, it's an obvious sign of inflammation when your nose is all stuffy or your skin is inflamed from an exposure to an allergen, um, environmental allergen, but also thinking about the things that you put on your skin, things like aluminum and deodorant. Okay. Yeah. We're not meant to be rolling aluminum on our skin. 
thinking about air quality where you live. Mm-hmm. Water quality is a big one that I talk a lot about on my Instagram because at least here in the states, especially in the state of Minnesota, we have very toxic water from um, a local uh, manufacturing plant. We have what are called PFAS. They're forever chemicals in our water here, mm-hmm. and they act what they act like, or they are qualified um, or categorized as endocrine disruptors. Yeah. Lots of information on endocrine disruptors, but it's basically like if you're drinking water that are that's full of these endocrine disruptors, it's like taking hormone pills on a daily yes. basis. Yeah. They are mimicking the hormones in your body and wreaking havoc. Yeah. And one study was done here and specifically in Minnesota on the PFAS, and they found that individuals who live the closest to the water that's the most contaminated from this plant had horrible infertility rates and babies born at low birth weights. And what they did is they filtered the water for, I think it was about a year and the rates of infertility in the low birth weight babies improved. So now that community is on filtered water from the city itself, which is a really big deal because um, that type of filtration system is no joke. So it's very important to know that not And the point of this isn't to scare you at all. Like your water is clear of bacteria, but we also have to think about these other things that are in water. Um, and so, you know, this is a really big deal. It's when seeing girls go into puberty so early, yeah. what's happening? What are, you know, is it the products they're putting on their skin? Is it the water that they're drinking? Is it air quality? It's a lot of stuff. That's a lot of stuff. Um, so I did again, probably yes. a whole other episode. Yes. Of its own. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But one Very more thing to add to the list that's not food related, calorie related, that is causing inflammation yeah. or could be causing inflammation. Yes, absolutely. So much, um, so much to take on board. And I think, you know, this has been jam packed. I mean, like, <laughs> what an incredible conversation. I've loved it. Thank you so much. But I'm just going to um, reiterate some of the things that you you talked about. So in terms of this kind of bonfire of inflammation going on in the body, it's normal for us to have some inflammation and that's fine, but we need to balance out the things that are the, the, the gasoline or the petrol, as we probably call it, um, although not, no one can afford it these days. So yeah, yes, <laughs> um, with you know the anti-inflammatory stuff, the water, and that that balance is important. And then it's not about you know completely cutting out and eliminating the things that are causing inflammation, the oils, the you know the sugar, the refined flours, because those things are going to exist in our lives, but it's just ensuring that what we do at home, the, you know, the things that we can control, like our cooking oils, like eating fresh foods, like meal prep, that kind of stuff to ensure that we're getting nutrients is going to redress that balance and put those little fires out, I guess, because I'm all about the balance as, as everyone will will know. And, and, you know, I don't want to create uh, fear and anxiety around food because there is enough of that going around. Um, sleep, super important, managing your stress, uh, movement, and then environmental toxins, all of these things can cause inflammation in the body. And obviously that's a lot to take in and we would never expect you to go away and work on all of these things at once, but maybe take a little inventory of those things. Perhaps, you know, after this episode, it might be worth you listening to it again with a notepad and maybe kind of make some columns where you've got oils and sugar and fresh food at the top and kind of make a little inventory of of 
you know, how those things are impacting you and how much of those things you're having on a daily basis alongside your sleep, your stress, your environmental toxins and what movement and kind of maybe score yourself out of 10 on each of those things and pick one to start working on. Maybe for you, it's movement. Maybe for you, it's stress. Maybe you want to look at in installing a water filtration system in your home whatever. Um, but picking one thing that you can do a simple thing that you can start to do. And it is about making a habit out of it. Like we said, you know, don't do them all at once. Don't, you don't need to join a gym. You don't need to, you know, overhaul your entire kitchen, but some small, simple things to, you know, to make a start, um, will be great. That has been fantastic. I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. I know that, that the listeners will have got a ton of value out of it as well. I will um, leave some resources in the show notes as to how you can get in touch with Emily and follow her on Instagram. Your Instagram handle is at Anywhere Nutrition. Yes. Yep. Yes. Just one word, anywhere nutrition. Fantastic. Yep. So do make sure you go and, and follow Emily. She's got some great content um, on her Instagram page. So we'll make sure that you can get in contact with her in our show notes. Any, uh, you know, closing thoughts you'd like to share with us before we say goodbye? I would just say again, really the important piece of this is to not to not strive for perfection. Mm -hmm. We're all a work in progress. There is no finish line. We're never done with this ever done with this. Um, and just like, you know, once you, you know, better then you can do better. Don't feel guilty about anything that, you know, if you're using aluminum deodorant, like the, the point is to not feel guilty about that. It's to take this little piece of extra knowledge and feel empowered, you know, that you really have a lot of control over your health And, you know, working on the positive inputs is going to get you a lot further than always working on, uh, on focusing on the negative, the things that you are doing wrong. Um, So I just hope that people feel empowered. Yes. Yes. Fantastic. Emily, thank you so much. It's been wonderful chatting to you today. Thank you to those of you who have listened and I will see you on the next episode. Thank you so much for choosing to spend your valuable time with me today. If you enjoyed this episode and found it helpful, I would truly appreciate it if you shared it with a friend. Also, don't forget you can find all the resources, links and show notes over at youarenourished.com forward slash podcast. See you next week. Bye for now.